Welcome into episode 38 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at ByCASimmons and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Just a shameless plug here uh, on NightSportsNow.com right now. You can see uh, the Big 12 All Sports Guide that I wrote up, um, not including football. It's basically an intro to the non-football side of things uh, in the Big 12. Looked at men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, softball, women's soccer, and volleyball. Kind of just looking at who the powerhouses are, who to be aware of, and where UCF might fit in. And yeah, hope you hope hope you have already read it. That'd be great. Um, but if you have, I just want to say I don't think it's a I don't think it's a shameless plug when it's our podcast on talking about our website. Like, I think I think that's a lot at that point. You know, you make a good point. Like, I don't think it's a shameless play. It's like, you're listening to us on a podcast. So like, we're going to talk about what we wrote for the record, that article really well done, by the way, took, Thank took you. a lot of time on that. Um, <laughs> I am, I'm afraid of this new conference was my yeah, main takeaway from that. They were like very, like, I know that everyone's like, Oh, like power conference is like a football thing. That's like an actual, like a, probably a top three conference in like every sport, but football, like it feels like, and it's maybe very, like volleyball. It's very, very scary. Um, I, there are a lot of UCF teams that I, I know UCF teams right now that I feel like are just gonna be flat out bad <laughs> to start in that conference because it is just gonna be really tough going. Yeah, and I think it'll it'll be interesting because just obviously the the recruiting advantages that come with moving to the Big Twelve and all the stuff that comes with that, like you'll you'll start to see that I think already as they're preparing to make the move. But I'm just curious to see year one or year two how things are for all these teams. I mean, there's there's some that I'm a little more confident than others. If you if you read it, you'll see which ones I'm feeling a little bit better about, but. I think the, the my main takeaway was that in the long run, I think UCF will be more than fine. Like UCF, I think could oh, be yeah. one of like I think they will be one of the brands of the Big Twelve. Might take some some time in some of those sports. I mean, basketball I think might take a little bit longer than any of the other ones, just because it's that kind of conference in basketball. I, I disagree with that actually, because I know we talk a lot about football recruiting, but Orlando and Central Florida in general is a very good basketball recruiting area too. And I feel like the and unlike the whole question of oh, like how much of a power conference will the Big Twelve be considered for football yeah. recruits, it will very much be considered that for basketball recruits. I think UCF can recruit like now way better yeah. in basketball. And also the great thing is currently in basketball, if you're UCF and fans know this because a, a lot of fans are uh, frankly don't understand basketball and want Johnny Dawkins fired. Um, if that's you, I'm sorry, but you don't understand basketball. And um, I, I just, I always try to see like how quickly into the podcast can I insult someone? I was about to say that we've got, got like a really, few really, minutes really in and... I'm sorry. If you follow me on Twitter, that was not a surprising take for me. I get very upset with people. And like, if you want him fired, like, uh, okay, well, first off, if you want him fired, you're just wrong. But like, I get people being upset with how slow things have gone, but like people who didn't understand last year specifically and why that was a challenging year when the team at times went weeks without practicing and then we're upset that they weren't beating teams that did not have COVID issues. That was insane. And whatever, congrats to you for being mad at everything. That's awesome for you. Love that. Um, but anyway, this was all to say that it right now, like for UCF to go to the tournament, the NCAA tournament in basketball, you probably, you don't have to win the conference because the AC is a pretty good league, but you have to have like probably like 25 plus wins most of the time and hopefully make a conference run in the big 12. There are teams that are like 16 and 14. And, and going to the tournament. I mean, it's like, so it will be much tougher, but the bright side is there is a way easier path to be relevant in basketball in that's, that conference. That's part of what I'm so curious about. Cause I'm like, yeah, like you, I, I agree. Like that's, they get, I think of the 10 teams this year, seven of them made the tournament. Um, and that's so crazy. there's like, there's obviously more of a chance, but it's, I'm curious, like, will it be like, will the step up be that large to where like, I'm just curious, will UCF be good enough to finish 16 and 14 or like right around that mark? I mean, I think pretty quickly they can be, but on a year one, I don't know. Well, we'll but see. Cause also, we like, not to see, get yeah. not to get super out of ourselves, but like, 
think the basketball team is supposed to be very good this year. I mean, they've got a lot of guys coming back. Yeah. Guys who are very good. And now, and now that they don't have to like, you know, not practice because of COVID, they should be a really, really good team. I, I absolutely think they can go to the tournament this year. We'll see. So the fire Johnny Dawkins crowd, if you're mad at me, you can come back if UCF is like bad this year, because they really shouldn't be bad this year. But I also just don't think they're going to be. So I'll I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're going to be. And I actually started like the other day, started getting a little excited. And I was like, oh, that's coming up. And I was like, nope, we still got like a whole other month and a half. I was about to that. say, it's not coming yeah. up that quick. Thought, but... For some reason, I thought it was like, yeah, I don't know. I thought we were already in October. But you know, when we first started doing podcasts, I, I I feel like I've talked about the podcast before the program we use, like I can see at what points people start and stop listening. Like I can see how far people get in the podcast. I don't see like your name. I just see like X amount of people got to this point. Wish and we did we, see names. <laughs> I actually am glad we do not. <laughs> and very early in the podcast, we did like a, let's do a not football podcast and talk about like the other sports. And like, like 80% of the listeners within like two minutes were gone. So I'm curious how many listeners are already gone just from starting the podcast. By well, not hopefully, about hopefully they saw that the title was football centric and they're like, oh, okay, hopefully. I'll just stick around through this. And I don't know. I think if you're a UCF fan, you're, you're, you should be at least a little interested about everything surrounding the big 12 move. I feel like is worth paying attention to. Sure. And even if but, you're not, you should be able to withstand four minutes of talk about it before we get back to football. So you would hope, you would hope so. so. You, you would hope, but, I'll, but uh, we'll see this week. We'll find yeah. So speaking of, speaking of me thinking it was already October, I mean, it's about to be, maybe by the time you're listening to this, it probably already is. We're recording this on September 29th. Uh, UCF has played three games so far in their football season. They're two and one in case you didn't know. Um, and basically we're, we're entering conference play this weekend, UCF heading to Navy um, for their first first conference game of the season and before we get into our predictions and all that about that game kind of just going to look at like the first three games the first month of the season and kind of just look at the current state of UCF football as it is um, we've got some different categories that we're going to get into here um, mm-hmm. we're going to start off with our most pleasant surprise so far because I think starting off on a good note is probably a good thing yeah especially since they just lost their last game and we've had to dwell on that for like 11 straight days it now, feels like so. it's been a very long time it really does it feels like a whole like I, it feels like an off season has gone on since because like that happened. everyone knows like you and i were there and i feel like like we were there for what two we came back two days after the game i feel yeah. like we got back from louisville like two weeks ago i was about to say why like, does that trip already feel like a distant memory to it me? feels like a very long i was thinking about that earlier today i was like like, like I'm thinking because like, I'm going to uh, you're not going for this time, but I'm going to the right. uh, Navy game. I will be there and I'm, my plane flies out tomorrow morning. And like, I'm like, oh, man, air travel. I'm like, I, well, I just did that in my head. I'm like, it does not feel like I was just yeah. on a plane. That feels no. like a thing that happened. On feels, time, but feels like a long time ago. But we'll, we'll start on, on a good note. and We'll go with our most pleasant surprise. So what's been your most pleasant surprise so far? I feel, I feel like there's been a few things. Yeah, you said you thought we were gonna have similar answers. I don't know if we will, but I do. But we'll see. G- given an alarmist take I had like in weeks leading up to the season, my most pleasant surprise has been the run game. Dang I, it. what is that yours? Well, yeah, that's we're already we've already got. Damn it. Uh, we've already Damn got it. Yeah. Well, but like I like if you listen to this podcast, you know that I went full on like tinfoil hat panic mode when first Bentavius got got whatever happened there cut from the team, and then RJ got hurt. Like I was just in total disaster mode, and the run game has been great. Isaiah Bowser, who I thought was like not good. I flat out said I didn't think he was good. He didn't strike me as even like a second string type of guy through three games, one of which he was hurt for most of the game, 268 yards, five touchdown, 5.3 yards per carry. Like, and, and that's, it's, that's not even touching Johnny Richardson, who I texted you that day. Do you know Johnny Richardson's averaging 8.9 yards per carry? I did season? because you told me that. And also because I looked it up when I was doing my own research for this, uh, 
How many? And they, how many and, they all, and they all gained Louisville in a loss too. Yeah. I, I just, it, it's been like that has it, oddly enough through everything that has somehow been like the most solid part of the team at this point, which is which, insane given how much flux there was going into that position. I feel like it's easy to overlook too. I don't know why. Cause like when coming out of the first three games, I wasn't like, wow, our run game is great. But like, once you actually yeah. look at the numbers and you kind of consider everything, you're like, our run game has been really, I mean, obviously I was like, yeah, Bowser has been really good, but. And on top of that, it's been even more interesting because Matt Lee missed the last game. I yeah. mean, and that and like Cole Schneider switched to center, which that was kind of like, I just got to say, I don't know if we talked about the yeah, Cole Schneider switching to center. That is not a thing that you can just like do very easily. That was a very overlooked of part of that game that like he did a good job, too. Did a great job. He, yeah. he uh, for the I think the second half against Bethune, he was in at center, too. And that's yeah. like, like I said, I'm just and that's obviously like I just so much flux. <laughs> and, and for some reason, it just hasn't caused an issue. I, I don't yeah. know why. So that, like, to me is, like, the perfect definition of a pleasant surprise. I have no earthly idea why it's the case, but it is. So we're happy yeah. about it. And then, so, like, Bowser and Richardson have been, like, the, the top two guys. But Trillian Coles has gotten in, too, a little bit. And we've gotten to see a little bit of what he can do. And he he ran for uh, – he's had 6.8 yards per carry so far this season. Jeez, and then man. even, like, factoring in to the running game, like, Dylan Gabriel, we were – Pleasantly surprised that he could run, he yep. could actually run the ball, and he he started using his legs a little bit more. He was averaging five point two yards per carry before he got hurt, and then very very small sample sizes. But on four carries, Joey Gatewood's averaging eight point eight yards per carry, and Mark Anthony I saw Richards that too. Mark I, I, Anthony Richards so on four carries is averaging six yards per carry. So it's, it's very like, very weird, and I know that some of that, like I think Gatewood and Mark Anthony in particular, it's being influenced because most of their reps of Cape against Bethune Cookman, yeah. so that's going to happen. But like. Bowser I mean Johnny Richardson I mean it was like like honestly I think that UCF wins that game there was a little bit of like sort of a flux for about a quarter and a half there between when Bowser got hurt and it felt like I don't know if it was just the not really ready to fully trust Johnny which I kind of get because you know you're throwing him in there but the second half they were just feeding him and like it was just like he, he was gone yards. yeah like and it was like every single time they hand the ball to him it was like nothing like it was just like yeah. a knife through butter like I so I, I I don't know. I think that we're still the status for Bowser is a little uncertain for Navy. I think Malzahn yeah. said he's day to day, but I don't feel like super bad about that as I may have before the Louisville game. Yeah, no, I, f- I feel the same way. And I think especially with Dylan Gabriel's injury and now a true freshman having to step in at quarterback, definitely got to help that you've got a pretty good stable of running backs that you should feel pretty confident in at this point. Um, with any of those guys stepping in, so if they have which to no lean... disrespect to Trillian Coles, but we didn't even like talk about him this offseason. Yeah. He yeah. really came out of nowhere. I know he's coming off a big injury, but man, yeah. That's been and so to have that to maybe lean on a little bit if they need to, it, it probably should feel pretty good. Um, that's something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was one of the ones that I did think we were going to have the same because a lot of other stuff we we're like, oh yeah, this is kind of going how we thought it would. Um, but that was a thing that I think. You were probably more concerned. Well, I don't know. Remember we did the, the confidence rankings and then I'm still pissed about that. Yeah. <laughs> still mad. For those of you who didn't listen to that podcast, I spent like two podcasts talking about how upset I was about the run game, how I'm worried about it. And I talked uh, and, and Bailey was like, Oh, stop it. It'll be fine. And then we did our position confidence rankings. And you had did you have them last or second to last? I don't remember. I don't you had them very low, on, like yeah, lower than me on your low. list. I felt deeply betrayed. That was, was a tough low. moment for our friendship, but we got through it. <laughs> <laughs> Not really sure how. Um Sorry, right, we're gonna go down. We're gonna go down the uh, a different path here. We're gonna go the biggest disappointment so far. So taking things down a notch, but uh, go ahead and go first. Nah, you go first. I you go first. Time. Okay. Yeah. Well, this one's very broad, so I feel like I kind of cheated here, but it's just the defense in general. Minus also I mean, the defense. Yeah. In general. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where I kind of thought we were gonna go, but like I literally wrote look- the whole defense. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I wrote. And just if you look at like they're so they're allowing twenty four point three points per game because I don't know I. 
I thought, oh, is this is worse. And, and then looking at it was like better because 24.3. I was like, okay, that's not horrible. Because I then that was uh, me taking out the pick sixes both against Boise State and um, Louisville because obviously that was not on the defense. Okay. Um, so 24.3 points per game when you're factoring what the defense actually allowed. But then that number jumps up to 29.5 without the Bethune-Cookman game. Mm. So you're starting not, to feel like not a little ideal. bit. Yeah, it doesn't feel like we've gotten the improvements that we were kind of expecting and I mean, obviously hoping for, but I mean, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have expected it. I don't know. It's a largely. No, we, we should have. And it's been weird. I, I like, I don't like, I look back on the takes we had on the defense and I don't think any of them, like you always have to watch for when you root for a team, like letting yourself get a little ahead of yourself as far as where the team's at. I think we're all guilty of that. We may be guilty of that with Mikey Keen right now. We'll find out on Saturday, but the, I, I felt like you and me specifically, our takes on the defense were one, this D line is going to be elite. That was basically the main take. And the second was the secondary is full of guys who, got thrown into the fire last year and should presumably be improved. Yeah. And the D line has been very good at times. The whole not allowing a sack thing is kind of, or, or not getting a sack thing is kind of weird. I think they got one against Louisville, right? They did. Yeah. Um, but they still, they haven't been able to contain quarterbacks who can leave the pocket at all. And the secondary has been flat out bad. I mean, just as bad as it was last year, it doesn't feel improved at all. And it just, it looks so similar for some reason. And a lot, like a lot of it is, yes, there's transfers, but a lot of it is some of the same guys. So maybe like, that's why I say maybe we shouldn't have expected like a, a massive jump, but I expected to see a little bit something different. And just like in terms of the defensive philosophy, it just hasn't looked that different under Travis Williams than as it didn't did under Randy Shannon. Like, nope. I don't see them get, like, I don't see them dialing up that many blitzes. It doesn't seem like they're really bringing um, a lot of guys on, on a lot of plays. And I don't know. It just seems like it's been more of the same and yeah, they've been good against the run then and i know we've talked about the the pass rush and the pass rush yeah they've like they've hurried the quarterback well but at some point you've got to get home like you, you have one sack in three games and i think they had like i don't know how many they had in the louisville game but i think before the louisville game they had like 17 or 18 hurries and then i know they, they got some more in that louisville game but at some point you're gonna to have to get to the quarterback because the thing is where you derail a drive is when you get that sack and suddenly yeah. that team's dealing with like a second and 16 or a third and 15. It's like, if you hurry him and you throw the ball and he ends up throwing the ball away, whatever, like, great. You stop the play. It really doesn't change the game for them. Well, what I was going to say is like, what good is a hurry? If like the quarterbacks can, can extend the play and he's still getting a, a three or four yard gain. Like that's, that's yeah. not really it's helping useless. You. Yeah. The whole I mean, idea behind this elite D line was getting, I was hurting the offense to the point that they had to get out of their rhythm. And that just hasn't happened. Yeah. And, and with the issues they've had in the secondary, it would be, you know, taking the pressure off the secondary a little bit. If you can get actually get to the quarterback and bring him down. Um, Which the other thing is I want to say is Travis Williams. It seemed like he got a little defensive. This was after the Bethune game because people were asking him specifically about the secondary. And he talked about how, you know, the importance of playing soft coverage and not allowing the big play. And that was kind of his whole reasoning for it and the way they've played. They allowed a lot of big plays against Louisville. Like yeah. I, I just, Malik Cunningham torched him over and over and over and over again. So I don't buy that as an excuse anymore. That's if, why... if the personnel's not there, it's not there. That's not on this coaching staff. They inherited this team, but I just, it, it, there's no way around that. It's just been a big disappointment. That's why I'm wondering if there's, if there was a little bit more, like we haven't seen so much like, in terms of philosophy like we haven't seen a lot different because of the personnel i'm wondering if like they're running a little bit more soft coverage because of the personnel they have and they're just doing the best with what they have what they have and if that's the case you know what can you do there's only so much you can do in one off season but it's still been disappointing and and i think you know, the fact that you've got some injuries right now that's not going to help matters because nope i mean I, I don't know we haven't gotten a lot of status updates i don't think but i know like tatum bethune went down and uh, the Louisville game, Ricky Barber wasn't playing a lot. Uh, Corey Thornton went down. 
Um, and so, you know, it's just, that's not going to help yeah. if, if you're, you know, the presumably your best guys are out there and already kind of struggling. Well, if they're hurt too, now you're going to have to make up for that some other way. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been a letdown, but you know, we're, we're three games. And that's the one thing I was like, as frustrating as they were against Louisville, I think, so Louisville scored 42 points and seven of those obviously came off of the pick six at the end. Um, and then seven came off of just a trick play that like it was a double pass or whatever it was like those, those I can usually excuse a little bit more. I'm not, I'm not excusing the trick play. I'm just, ex- I don't know. It's just one not of those things where it's just like, it's, yeah. Team, teams run trick plays. Or are we just going to be the team that we throw up our hands? Like, Oh, well, it was a trick play. So what are you supposed to do? Good on no, them. I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice to stop it, but I mean, like, I'm not going to like overall say that's a huge like knock against the defense. Cause I mean, we got one off against, uh, against Louisville's defense. Like, I mean, it's just those kind of plays I'm willing to accept a little bit more than just your coverage breakdowns, like your, your straight up coverage breakdowns and your inability to contain that kind of stuff. I don't know. And listen, like the first off, as far as injuries and stuff, yeah, we don't know who's coming back, but right now, but it was helpful to have a bye week And it's also helpful that this opponent is not like, I know Navy's a very weird offense. That's difficult to prepare for, but they are just not good right now. Um, yeah. So that helps. But, you know, you, you look at like the Louisville game, I could honestly like forgive a lot of the defense because I, it's easy when you're like, when you're focusing on one team, like we look at everything through the lens of UCF. Like it's never like the other team was really good. It's UCF should have done this better. Yeah. Like, you know, so I was, I was telling you, did I tell you about this week? So Georgia Southern fired their coach this week. And uh, have we talked about this at all? I don't, I don't think, think I'll tell you so, about it. No. So Georgia Southern fired their coach. And I like, it's always interesting to like get a peek into other fan bases because sometimes I think UCF's fan base is a little insane. And like Georgia Southern fans were like deeply upset that they lost to Arkansas. Like couldn't believe. And, and like, Arkansas? And I'm just, Arkansas? To Arkansas, Arkansas. SEC Arkansas, they lost 40 to 15 and we're very upset that they weren't that competitive. Like the top 10 and now, weren't they? <laughs> all the things that all the, th- I think they're like 14th, all the things okay. the team did wrong. And I'm just kind of like, I don't want to get in that habit where from UCS perspective, like sometimes you're just playing a good team. And I know Louisville got beat up on by Ole Miss, but I honestly think Louisville is just a really good team. Like I, like the defense didn't play well, but like Malik Cunningham is a hard dude to stop. So I yeah. want to give them a little bit of like slack there. It's more just that like, they also struggled against Bethune Cookman at times. They struggled yeah. a lot against Boise State. So it's just, it's become a trend at this point. You can forgive the one Louisville game because they had such a dynamic quarterback, but there's a lot of dynamic quarterbacks coming up on the schedule. So yeah. you can't just be like, oh, well, you know, that's the way it is. Well, that's what's been so scary, I think, is that I don't think, I forget, I already forgot his name, Boise State's quarterback. Don't think he's that good. Hank Bachmeyer. He's but not that good. He threw the ball pretty well against UCF. Boise, uh, Bethune Cookman had, had a few, few drives where they threw the ball well against UCF. Malik Cunningham threw the ball against UCF. Then you've got a lot of quarterbacks coming up on the on the schedule that just they've got a lot of good passing quarterbacks. Yeah, because like I know I don't even know who who their quarterback is, but I know Memphis. Memphis has been throwing the ball all around the, the yard. Um, SMU is another one. Desmond Michael Ritter, Pratt, for, yeah, Michael Pratt is another good one. Um, so yeah, I mean you're going to be playing some really good quarterbacks, and it's not encouraging what we've seen so far. You know what we what we've seen so far. If that's what we see against these quarterbacks, it's going to be. Uh, even more frustrating. Do you, do you know how personally offended I'm going to be when Desmond Ritter has some like ridiculous game against UCF? Oh, I know. It's not going to be a good day for you. I might not, really not. To, I might not talk to you that day just because I don't know. Yeah. I, you know what? I might not talk to me that day. I just, I'm not <laughs> looking forward to it, but anyway, that's, that's enough about the defense. Yeah. I don't want to talk about them anymore. Okay, cool. I don't, I don't think I have any more to say about them later on in our, our thing. So we'll see. 
Um, we'll go back to a positive. Back to a positive. Breakout star so far. I think both of us have the same one. We've already talked yep. about him. But... Corey Thornton. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry, that was mean. I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious my breakout star star was Isaiah Bowser. I don't really yeah. know who else you can even put in that category right now. Yeah, I don't I mean he like you said earlier, 268 yards and five touchdowns. And that's really through like what two games and like a drive, a drive yeah. or two in against Louisville. And also had five catches for 33 yards. Um, so I mean I didn't really expect much from him as a receiver. I didn't really know anything about that part of his game. I didn't expect he, he much looks, from him as a player. <laughs> that's fair. That's, so everything's yeah. been a surprise. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too. This is a guy that was like probably I mean, at the, at the very least, he's gonna be the number three back. And then like you said, Bentavius gets cut or gets gets kicked off the team, whatever happened there. And then uh, RJ Harvey goes down. And then all of a sudden he's thrust into the starting role. And you're like, oh, goodness. Like what? There's what even an argument here? to be made that if Mark Antony had been healthy through the offseason, that he would probably would have been ahead of him too. I mean, there's a scenario where he's our fourth string running back. And instead he's not only UCF starter, but doing great. The one caveat I will say is part of what happened at, with him at Northwestern was injuries. Yeah. And third game of the year, he gets hurt. So it's something that's something to think too, which is, yeah, which isn't concerning. So that's something to keep an eye on because yeah, he can be great. I mean, he can be great, but if he's not playing a lot or if he's limited, that's going to hurt things. Yeah. And honestly, the only other name that I was going to throw out there and it's, he isn't really on the same level as what Bowser's done so far, but Brandon Johnson has been um, kind of under, under appreciated, I think, because Jalen Robinson and Ryan O'Keefe have, have taken the headlines, but Brandon Johnson leads the team in touchdown catches. He's got three. Really? Yeah, he's wow. got three. Um, Brandon Johnson has he, has he has 15 catches for 151 yards and three touchdowns. His yards per catch, like he hasn't been as flashy in terms of yards per catch as Jalen and O'Keefe have, but it's been a guy that I think going forward will be a pretty big part of things. I think so too. He's just been a really good, uh, solid what he's supposed to be, basically yeah. a third option. I mean, you've yeah. kind of had O'Keefe and Jalen as your big play guys, but there have been a lot of plays where it's just these little like six, seven yard gains that you need in there. And I mean, he's been great at delivering that. And yeah, he's yeah. had some really solid touchdowns too. That, I mean, that was another point of concern with all the receivers they lost of who was going to step up. And I think notably Jordan Johnson, the big five-star we all freaked out about has been completely absent. Yeah. Um, we've seen Titus a little bit and Titus has looked good, but Titus is a true freshman. So yeah, it's yeah. really good. And Brandon Johnson's a team captain too. So clearly he's a big presence was, on and off the field. Yeah. That was another thing I was going to say in terms of, um, a break. I mean, I just going in like throughout the offseason, I wouldn't have pegged him to be like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to end up being a captain. And the fact no, I never he, would have yeah. you know, the fact that he transferred in and became a captain, I think, says a lot about his impact on the locker room. So, yeah, I mean, he's another guy that I would throw in there. I think Bowser obviously is the is the the big takeaway, the big breakout guy. Brandon Johnson, somebody I've been impressed with as well. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Totally. So there, go- there have been it, it's fun to because obviously this is our first year doing this podcast. We started in January yeah. and like it happens every year with anyone just even in informal conversation but it's amazing like how much you just don't know like we talked and talked to offseason and it's just like I, this little thing is like there was no, i don't think we ever spent more than two minutes on a podcast of the idea of isaiah bowser being the biggest breakout player yeah. from the first quarter of the season but here yeah. we are or brandon like i don't just we didn't even really know if brandon johnson was going to be like one of the top i was a little more high on brandon johnson it yeah. seemed like by spring it seemed pretty clear that he was going to factor yeah. in but I, I either way it's just yeah you just never know that's why we yeah. love the sport it is. It is. Um, and now we're going to go back down a little bit. We're going to go the biggest lingering concern because <laughs> we've got no nine games to go, nine regular season games to go. Yep. Um, and so, and I think there's some things that we can, we can be concerned about. So um, I'll go first this time. Since you okay. We've talked time. at length about mine already by accident. Okay. Well, 
mine is mine's a little bit two pronged. It's health and the depth on the team. Okay. So obviously, obviously Dylan Gabriel out for you know indefinitely. We don't know when he's coming back if he's coming back this season. We talked a little bit already. Bowser um, has a knee injury. I think Gus said he's like week to week and kind of just in like a wait and see mode. So we don't really know when he's coming back. Hopefully it's this weekend. We don't really know. Um, and then the other guys, like I mentioned, um, Thornton and Bethune went down against Louisville. Ricky Barber's missed some time. Uh, Matt Lee missed the game against Louisville, and he, I think, he should be back this week. You know, he's, it seems he, like it's he was he was trying to he was trying to suit up against Louisville, and I mean, I guess maybe came close to playing, but just couldn't go. And then now he's had, you know, a, a bye week, and then all this week to get that. Uh, it was an ankle, right? To get his ankle, I think right? So. I think so. Um, yeah. So hopefully he's back, but. It's just that there's there's obviously talent all over the roster, but with as many injuries as we've already seen and as many injuries as there's a potential to see over the, the remaining course of the season, it's got to be worrying because there's not a lot of proven depth at really at any any point, uh, any position in the roster. And, and another key thing with that is, um, you know, you need to keep Mikey Keene healthy because obviously you have one quarterback injury. Two quarterback injuries would be just obviously twice as worse. Like, you know, it would be – it would be – you're going to Joey Gatewood who just got here uh, maybe like a month ago at this point or Quadri Jones, who no one has re- ever really trusted to be the, the number one guy. So, or did you know, keep... Park, did you know Parker Navarro is the scout team quarterback? I don't think I did. I uh, did not know that. And that was kind of a, I don't know why it was a surprise to me. Cause then when you look at the room, it's like, who else would it have been? But I guess it was just kind of weird to What's, hear it. Since he was the... just... <laughs> this is kind of bad. What's the other quarterback's name? There's I don't remember. There, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me because there is another one. Oh, I don't remember. I think well. he's just a walk on. I hadn't heard of him before this year. Yeah. But either way. Um, yeah. I mean, because especially too, because Mikey's supposed to be now like looking at him as possibly the future. And so if you if you have any point where he goes down, then you're looking at just a really really bad situation. So. Yeah, for sure. And no, you're you're absolutely spot on. I mean, it's but it, it's kind of like it's the case every year. You know, yeah, <laughs> like injuries are always. It's always. I, it's always I think, something. That, I will say, I do want to say really quickly, I think people get in the mindset of when a team has a game like they just had and suffers injuries, that that breeds more injuries and you're just kind of waiting for it. I don't think that's true. I think people get hurt. Um, But, you know, it's still, yeah, it sucks right now and their depth's going to be tested. And I don't think this is a very deep team. So that's a little alarming, but what can you do, you know? So, yeah, like that's that's a good point. I mean, it really is in any year, the health is the thing. But I think for me, it's the fact that we've already seen a little bit of you know we've seen guys get banged up and i don't know if there's any potential for for re-aggravating those injuries or if just whatever this this is going to be a physical season obviously it's football but they've got some teams in here that i think are going to play them pretty tough um and then there's the fact that i don't really like the depth that much so that's my biggest concern but like you said it could be really could be that way for any year Um, and part of that part of that too is just and this was one thing we've been saying like all off season essentially is like more so than other years this is like a really tough schedule for UCF I mean and and that's proven true in the first three weeks there are a lot of or four weeks there are like a lot of really good teams that they still have to play and have played so that like you look at I I think the year it stands out to me like 2017 was really tough schedule I think UCF played uh I think by the end of the year, they played four top 25 teams. Yeah. 20, 2018 was a year to me where like UCF had a little more leeway. I mean, that was still a great year. Obviously, they went 12 and one, but like really did not play a challenging schedule. 
2019, it was up and down. Like this year, it's just, it's kind of like that 2017 vibe where they're just playing a lot of tough teams. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, even like Cincinnati, SMU, Memphis, Tulane, <laughs> it's, that's half your conference slate right there. Yeah. It's like, I mean, really, really good teams in this conference. Navy's not a pushover. I think UCF's going to win easily, but still a physical tough game so yeah that's that's part of what ex- exacerbates the injury stuff yeah. it's a tough schedule and that's one thing that people always do say about navy even in their down years like that's always a physical game so yeah know, hopefully they can come out of it come out of this weekend without any fresh injuries but uh let me get your your biggest concern going forward we don't have to talk about this one much because we accidentally talked about it a lot in the defense but my big, biggest lingering concern is ucf's handling of opposing quarterbacks Going yeah. into that tough schedule, there's a <laughs> lot of good quarterbacks that are still coming. I mean, when you look yeah. through, I mean, from Desmond Ritter to Michael Pratt to Memphis quarterback who slipped my mind to SMU's quarterback, I it's just there's there's a lot coming. Holt Naylor's even at uh, yeah. ECU, and I, it's just and not and I know it's been like the ongoing problem since basically the beginning of time for UCF, but they showed nothing against Malik Cunningham to make me think, oh, okay, they can handle dynamic quarterbacks. Malik rushed for 99 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're supposed and so like, what are you supposed to do there? <laughs> like, so I just, that's a big point of concern me. Cause if this is going to be a thing where every time UCF plays an elite quarterback, the defense is going to give up 40 points, then UCF is literally going to be like a seven and five team. Yeah. I mean, I'm if, sorry, but that's literally what they're dealing with. If that's the performance every single time they face an elite quarterback. Because it felt like last year it was just like, well, for, for UCF to win, they're going to have to just have to outscore this team. And you don't really want to have to ask your true freshman quarterback to say, Hey, go out there and score 45 points every game. Yeah, when you're presumably on your backup quarterback and what was supposed to be like your fourth string running back at this point, if Bowser still hurt, not an ideal scenario for your defense to not be able to come play. So yeah. that that that's like by by in a way my biggest thing is I'm just looking ahead at the schedule and I see so many quarterbacks that I feel like are just going to rip them to shreds, and that's very concerning. Yeah, it it definitely is. I don't know. There's, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. There's that's the thing is I think people might well not everyone, but expectations i think at this point have lowered a little bit and people are kind of back down Very to much earth, so. given that well they did initially and then with the mikey keen hype it feels like they've kind of crept back up now i've got people yeah. back who are like i think we can only lose one more game the rest of the year yeah, I'm like, that, i hope you're right that's why i, I kind of caught are. myself and i was like i remember seeing some people on twitter just very recently like yeah i don't know about that but yeah I, I think i think it could be tough the rest of the way but i think there's also we've talked about it, i think there's a lot of reasons to be to be excited about what we're going to see and hopefully and I'm going to try to do this myself too, but like, hopefully I can stay a little bit more grounded in terms of, you know, if, if there's more struggles, more loss, it's not the end of the world. This probably, like you said it since the beginning, this is going to be a foundational year. And with the injury to Gabriel, maybe this is going to be a little bit more of a foundational year than we even expected, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, you're like, Oh, I'll start a little bit. I'm like, I've been around the whole freaking time. I don't know what you're talking about. I was around the whole, whole summer. Um, people just listen to me more. And it's been a tough couple actually don't listen to me because I've been wrong about lots of things. Um, like Isaiah Bowser, like, man, good thing. I'm not sitting, setting the depth chart, you know, like, I just feel like we'll know more after Saturday. It's been kind of hard to do two podcasts without really knowing. Cause like, yeah. listen, I, Mike, it feels like we're in the off season again. It feels like we're in the off season to more of an extent because we knew what we had in Don Gabriel. So, yeah, exactly. Right. It feels like an off season where, and, and honestly there hasn't, well, I guess sort of 2019, but I mean, Mikey King could come out and suck. I don't think he will, but that could happen. Yeah. And Mikey King could come out and he could throw five touchdowns. Like we, there's such a range of like, we, I just feel like we're just, we just don't know what we have. And that's why it's kind of hard to predict out because the quarterback obviously is the most important part of your offense. So, I mean, you just don't, until we know what we have there, it's going to be hard to figure out what this team's ceiling is or isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of ceilings, this is a, that was a transition. That um, certainly was. Our, Where are you going with this final, Our final piece here uh, of this, you know, state of UCF football talk, 
is projecting the, the big breakout star of the rest of the season. So who do we see? Who have we seen so far that's maybe had a little bit of a role that you think is going to be breaking out to the next level the rest of the way, or maybe they haven't done anything so far and they're just going to come out of nowhere, but let me get so you should first. say we, we both agree to not pick Mikey Keene. Yes. Because yes, because, uh, you know, that's the obvious choice right. because we, we yeah. obviously hope that he will be the breakout star. And I actually think he could be, but if you want to li- listen to our thoughts on Mikey Keene, you go to last week's podcast. We talked about for an hour and don't even rehash that. So yeah. my breakout star other than Mikey Keene is Johnny Richardson. Oh, this is interesting. Okay. So hear me out. I I'm not saying that Bowser's going to stay injured because I don't think he is. I mean, I think he'll come back. He might be back against Navy, but I think clearly we saw that you can't just get hand him 30 carries a game and, yeah. you know, expect him to stay healthy, especially once now that we're in the conference schedule. So I think that Johnny proved himself a little bit Louisville. We saw that Gus is willing to adapt to when guys prove themselves in games. Trillian Coles came in the second half against Bethune played really well. Now he's playing against Louisville. And I think Johnny sort of really proved himself against Louisville. I mean, like we said, he rushed for hundred yards looked really good. So I just feel like you have to balance that a little more. And I feel like he could be this breakout guy where he can sort of come in with in relief for Bowser, especially if Bowser's injury is worse than we think it is. Or like when he was at Northwestern, it sort of continues and gets worse. Yeah. Or, or it's just a, not gets worse, but sort of just hinders him throughout the season. I think Johnny's a guy who we maybe didn't have a lot of faith in before the Louisville game, but now I feel like can sort of step up if they need him to. This is very interesting. Why is this interesting? Because my pick for breakout for the rest of the year is Trillion Coles. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> well, I'm right, Coles. obviously. I don't know why you would pick Trillion um, Coles over Johnny Richardson. No, I mean, I don't, it's not anything against Johnny Richardson. Like, I, I don't know. No, I'm I, being sarcastic. You totally pick Trillion Coles. Yeah, I think part of this is just me. Like, I took some, I got an idea in my head and I ran with it. Um, we'll get there in a second. But okay. like, like you said, um, with, with Bowser right now being a little banged up, if he doesn't play this weekend, I think they're going to rely on both Johnny and Trillian Coles. Um, and I do think both of them have the potential to, to break out and really prove to be, you know, the future of the backfield. Um, but I just got this stupid comparison in my head with Trillian Coles to Greg McRae. Oh, no, <laughs> it's not the same thing. They both, they both were walk-ons and similar in stature. Um, Greg was a little taller but they're both around the same weight. Um, and I don't know. I just, I've liked. Did you I've just seen. come at me with, I think my breakout star is Trillian Coles because he and Greg McRae weigh the same. Is, is no, that no, your, no. I just, that's I, your just official see, I just see some parallels. And then I told you, I, my, my brain just ran with it. I just going back to 2018 uh, when Greg McRae, Greg McRae really broke out kind of down the stretch in AAC play ended up rushing for a thousand yards and really kind of just came out of nowhere. He did a little bit early on in 2018 season, but didn't really have like a large defined role or anything. 2017 season. Well, no, 2018 too. Like early in 2018, he did. Oh, you're really, talking about the early. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah I got you. Early in 2018, he didn't really. He he, like, he would get ca- a few carries a game, but didn't really do much, and then just took off and was like the guy down the stretch. And we saw early on in the season so far, Trillian has gotten to show a little bit of what he can do. He got to show what he could do against Bethune Cookman, and coming out of the Bethune Cookman game, even before Bowser got hurt against Louisville, I remember Gus saying, you know, I think something about. Um, trillion being a bigger part of the offense going forward like he's going to have a bigger role going forward and so i think i could definitely see him taking that role and running with it especially if you know bowser continues to be banged up even if he doesn't i think we'll see a little bit more like you said of a little bit a little bit more of a distributing the ball in the backfield rather than what we got against boise state where bowser had 32 carries but um yeah i don't i don't know i think i think your pick could definitely be better than mine, but I also think trillions are going to be a good, really good running back for us. So we'll see. 
I will say if it is Trillian, why was Trillian not the guy who, um, you know, popped off in the second half against Louisville <laughs> after Bowser was a comeback? I mean, I don't think, do you have the stats up? Cause I kind of want to pull those up. Cause I don't think he, didn't he have a pretty decent game himself? Yeah, he did. I'm just playing yeah. contrarian at this point. Cause I want to be right. No, but well. no, it could absolutely be Trillian Coles. I, I mean, I, like you said, I think the main takeaway is just that they're going to have to, I mean, they're going to have to sort of spread the love there. And it's sort of funny because we talked about how, um, sorry, I'm trying to type and talk at the same time. because I'm trying, I'll just let you get the stats. I'll just talk. Yeah, I found them. Um, Cause you know, after that first game against Boise and to an extent against Bethune in like the first half, it was kind of like, wow, why, you know, it's like this whole stable of running backs thing we've done for years. Like, why do we do that? Just pick the best guy in the world. This is great. And then Bowser gets hurt and you're like, oh, that's why. Yeah. And now we're back to like, wait, I think they probably need to distribute it a little bit among those guys. So, yes. so I'm excited for Johnny. I just, he, and like, I know that he like, it's, he's still sort of in the lots of potential, not necessarily there yet. I, I think Gus had talked about trying to get him to be an every down back and he just wasn't there yet, but he still just feels like a guy who's just kind of like oozing with potential. And I really want to see that take off at some point. Yeah. So in, in the Louisville game, Johnny went for uh, 101 yards on nine carries and Trillian Coles had eight carries for 51 yards. So, I mean, not bad it, at all yeah i mean when he, he so he ran for 6.4 yards per carry and it's just kind of like when you compare the two like johnny ran for 11.2 yards per carry like that's that's just insane on a different it's also level, not sustainable yeah obviously it's know, just obviously. a different level of things but yeah no i think i think it's probably bodes well though that both of us are pretty confident in ucf's second and third running backs at this point yeah more so than we were when the season started for sure yeah. um I'm, I, like I said, I, I don't like, I, I feel like I've said some alarmist things on this podcast. I still think they can have a really good year. We're just, yeah. it, it, it just, it does feel like the off season again, where it just almost feels like we don't know what we have going into the fourth game yeah. of the season, which is unusual, but it's very weird, especially, you know, especially coming is. off of a bye week. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, definitely weird. But with the bye week on UCF heading to Navy this weekend, you'll be there. I will not be. Um, let's go ahead and give our, Did you our... skip my favorite question that I wanted to answer. Oh my goodness. I forgot. I left it out of the outline on accident and I actually didn't really think about it. So best uniform so far. I'm really offended by that. I completely, um, just deeply offended. So, well, so we, uh... you, okay. No, you want to know what happened is when I was making this outline, I went and copied and pasted from the original text of questions I sent you and mm. pasted those in and forgot that you added like three texts later. You're like, Oh, best uniform so far. I put more thought into this question than any of the others. So that, that, that okay. was very upsetting. It apparently didn't even make the cut, even though Not I thought surprised. it did. Um, well, either a few different ways can go with it. So in review, first three games, UCF wore white helmets, black jerseys, white pants with chrome gold decals against Boise State. They wore white helmets, anthracite jerseys, anthracite pants with the script chrome gold knights on one side of the helmet against Bethune-Cookman. And they wore like a pure white out, all white, white UCF decal against Louisville. Now, I didn't know where I was going to go on that. Now, there are a few ways to look at it. I believe that the Bethune-Cookman helmet, the script knights, is one of the coolest things they've ever done. I think that helmet alone is like a top three, top four helmet in UCF history outside of space. But those of you who know me know that anthracite is my least favorite of the four base jerseys. So that hurt that combo. I went with the Louisville combo. I just, I can't, and I know it's like tinted or whatever you want to say, tainted, not tinted because of the visor. Yeah. Because of the loss, but it was just so freaking clean. I mean, it just like that white UCF logo just should be the logo. It's so nice. I, I just that combo. Just I feel like my opinion when you're doing whiteouts, like that should be that should be the whiteout look. Like, and UCF's done some other awesome whiteouts. They've done yeah. it with the chrome gold, and it looks great. But yeah. I just that look was just so freaking. It was it was just truly a pure white look. I mean, the only not white on the uniform was basically the numbers, and you had a little bit of gold trim on the black numbers. Then you had gold and black trim in the decal, so it really just all matched and was perfect. Not going a sword stripe was really cool. It just sort of created the sort of streamlined look. It was just man, I love. Yeah. It. No, I mean for the record, I'm I'm actually on the same page as you here. Um, 
I liked the the script knight's helmet the best out of anything any of the helmets they've worn so far this year. I like I like that helmet better than the whiteout helmet, but just the the look as a whole, I think it, it got to go. I have to go to the Louisville combo, and I just don't agree with anyone coming out of that game. It's like oh, they can never wear it again because they lost. Like, yeah. And I think by the time people are listening to this, they will see what they're wearing against Navy, I think, unless you're listening very early in the morning. But I think that might be my favorite now. We will see. Okay. Interesting. So, but we will see. Have to always see it on the field first. You never know until you see it on the field. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. Now we can get to our UCF Navy predictions. Again, my apologies on forgetting about uniforms. We won't forget about uniforms for uniform of the week. We'll get there. Better not. We'll get there at the end of the podcast. But it's like the whole podcast is in flux now. Our uh, our navy, our UCF navy predictions. Uh, we'll do three each. I don't remember. Well, you went first on the on the um, uniform. So should I go yeah, first? Yeah, you go here? first. You okay. go first. You take it. Um, two, two of mine really just are not like thought out that much. It's just like, oh, I'm, this is gonna happen. Um, but my first one is actually a little bit thought out. UCF is gonna hold Navy under 20 points which might sound a little crazy considering we just talked about the defense being a big disappointment and not having any depth. And basically every aspect of it is like a mess in, in one way or another right now, but Navy's offense, the same can be said about all of them. Uh, Navy this year has scored seven, three, and then 20 points last week. They scored 20 against Houston um, just has not been working for them. And it's really weird because you kind of expect, I mean, Navy runs the triple option and it's, I don't know, it's, it's always a tough thing to defend, but and you don't expect them to just be this bad. Like they've been really, really bad on offense. Um, but I think, I think this is the game because UCF has been stopping the run pretty well. They don't really deal well with mobile quarterbacks. But there's a different difference between a mobile quarterback, I think, than an option quarterback. And in, in this it's case, not, it's not even close to the same. Like, it's, yeah, I'm talking it's, about improvisational quarterbacks yeah. when I talk about mobile quarterbacks. That's not what Nate not does. like, not when their quarterback is literally all he does is run. And every case, he'll, he'll attempt like two passes a game, maybe. So I think this yeah, like is there's something... not scrambling, quote unquote. Right. In Navy's right. Offense. So I think this is something that, you know, as long as they show up and tackle well, which is something they have struggled with a little bit, but as long as they tackle well, I think UCF's defense will will do a good job because they're not like that's the thing is like when Navy does throw the ball, like they have the potential to like surprise you every once in a while. But the biggest weakness and listen, me, against this secondary, it might yeah. work. But yeah. you know. But that's the thing is like, are they going to come in and throw the ball 15, 20 times because they know the secondary is bad? No, I don't think no, they're going to change it up that much. So I feel like this is a good matchup for the defense. And yeah, I got them. And they've, it's funny because I went back a little bit and last year uh, they only held. So the only team they held under 20 points, or I guess maybe the caveat was the only, the last time they held an FBS team under 20 points was when they beat Temple 38 to 13. And then uh, in 2019, they only did it against two FBS teams. It was 34-7 against USF and 48-14 against FAU. So this defense the USF doesn't, team was so bad. That were really, really bad. This defense doesn't hold uh, opponents under 20 points very often, but that's my first prediction. So let me give you my first prediction. Okay. Uh, the defense will allow its fewest points this season. <laughs> All right. Well, so we're no need to discuss. Thing. That's pretty much uh, exactly yeah. everything. Whatever. Maybe we're just stupid. I don't know. Like literally, I, like we're we're trashing the defense, but at the same time, it's listen. It is less the defense and more. I just think Navy is really freaking bad, and it was also influenced by the fact that Malzahn staff at Auburn, which included Travis Williams for a while, just historically does very well out of bye weeks. So I'm just yeah. not. I, I, I'm expecting a big game from the defense. You've had maybe I'm an idiot. Who knows. Did I, I might've made this up. I don't think I made this up, but didn't they ask Travis Williams about like preparing or maybe they asked Gus about it, about preparing for a, a triple option team like Navy m- more so than just like 
in the bye week and this week. Like they did some planning on that in the offseason. Yeah, I think Gus yeah. said that. Someone, which said you kind of have to because it's just this weird random. Honestly, being in a being in yeah. a conference with a service academy kind of sucks. <laughs> it's just this one this one game that's just like a completely different sport, basically yeah. that you have to plan for. But yeah, yeah. But so we're same page. Defense gonna be a big yeah. game. I think they'll be prepped well. I think it'll go well. Um, my second one, Mikey Keen scores a rushing touchdown. Can I give you my second prediction? Cause it's not the same, but kind of, of the same thing. Yes. First off, can't believe you stole my UCF starting quarterback scores a rushing <laughs> touchdown stat. That's pretty messed up. Uh, mine is that Joey Gatewood will score his first rushing touchdown. Oh, okay. I could, I think that, I think that Gatewood's got to step up now. I, 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 they, I, I, I I'm not thinking it's going to be some FSU crap, but I think that I think they're probably going to have some more packages for Joey. They've installed in these last couple of weeks. I think we might see him a little bit more and I think we might see him in the red zone. So wait, is yours? He's going to score his first touchdown. Did you say rushing touchdown or? Is I said gonna... rushing touchdown. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm expecting like a passing like, touchdown from Gatewood this year. I just want, I just want them to let him throw the ball a little bit. Like I'm just, I don't want him to have the Daryl Mack role where he just comes in and every time he sees in the game, he's just going to take the take the snap and then do a quarterback draw or just I don't know. I just well until they let that happen, I'm just assuming it's not going to happen. So I'm predicting a Joey Gatewood rushing touchdown. And I want to very much clarify, I'm not trying to say this is going to be some BS where it's like a dual quarterback thing. I think yeah. Mikey Keene is very much a starter. I'm talking like maybe like on a couple drives. We'll I almost would. I almost feel like your prediction here is more likely than mine. So I feel like they're going to have those packages in form and I feel like they could definitely break them out in the red zone. And... Well, I just think Mikey Keene's so small and he's already your second string. I just don't know if you want to risk physical contact with him once you're in the red zone yeah know? no i i agree i don't know that even necessarily that it's going to be like a designed run off him but or i, I mean i could see if if they're going to run an option or if he just improvises because i think that's that is a part of his game and i think it can be a part of his game i don't think it should be a huge part of his game right now just but that's kind of the question is i don't i'm sure gus doesn't think it should be a huge part of his yeah. game but does mikey keen agree because if you're a quarterback who's yeah. used to making plays with your legs you're not just going to well, stop because you're because your coach says look not at to. look at what mckenzie like mckenzie milton like all the time would just he, he wouldn't even he just didn't care. Like, he would yeah. just go like, and he would just roll forward or like do whatever and like i mentioned last week on the podcast there was that play in high school where Mikey just stood up and linebacker at the goal line and, and scored a touchdown. So like, which is great in high school. Don't yeah. do that in college. Just yeah. do not just, do that as a quarterback no, ever I, under any circumstance. <laughs> for some reason, I just have this image of him in my mind, just finding space in the red zone, scoring a rushing touchdown, big one, but. Or you have it. We have a joint prediction. A UCF quarterback will score a rushing touchdown. There we go. Um, my final, my final one is also Mikey Keene centric. Um, big, big shocker here. I think he's going to throw a touchdown of 25 yards or more or, or longer. Oh, I like that one. And I hope so, it's true. I, I'm thinking, I don't know. For some reason, that just feels like a nice debut. And my get the win. Mikey scores a rushing touchdown and he hits a big play, 35 yard touchdown, whatever. I said 25 or more just because I don't, I don't know. They don't really, they don't really call a lot of deep balls in this offense so far, but I think he's got the arm. I think they're going to call one. There's going to get one that's, they've you, been opening got, that up a little yeah, bit more. When you've got yeah. receivers, like when you've got a receiver like Ryan O'Keefe, like, I mean, and then they've got also they've got some other guys too that can that can fly. So it's it's something I think we're going to see more of, and I think he'll hit on one this weekend and and show it'll it'll be one of those moments where it's like oh okay like that's why that's what everybody sees in him, and it's like going to be some amazing throw. So all right, I've got a bold one for my last one. Okay, and it's like it's almost not even that I believe it more than just I want to buy into the hype and I want it to be true. So I'm going to actualize it. Okay. Um, I I want or I don't want, uh, there you go. I'm blowing it right away. I really just want this to happen. Uh, my prediction, quote unquote, is Mikey Keene will be UCF's player of the game. Okay. I could absolutely see that happening. I really wanted to. I, I really almost, wanted to so bad. The Part of the reason I went with like two separate Mikey Keene predictions is because I wanted one of mine to be something about him like 
throwing for like three or more touchdowns in the game. And then I also had one, wanted to do another one was like, uh, he's not going to have any turnovers in the game, but I was like, eh, let's like, what did I text you yesterday where you replied has a player ever won the Heisman after not playing in his first three games. And I'd had the same thought like the day before. Yeah. I was literally sitting on my couch and I was just like, I wonder who's a player ever won the Heisman. I I'm found like, what's wrong with yeah. me? Yeah, it was a it was a quote from Ryan O'Keefe about Mikey. Right. And, I, and then I said, has a player ever won the Heisman without starting any of the first three games asking for a friend? And you said, do you know how dumb it is that I already had that thought last night? Because <laughs> <laughs> I said it as a joke and the fact that you've already had it as a thought, like. Which I'm not like, I'm not an idiot. I know right, that a UCF right. player can't win the Heisman. I just, it, but the thought crossed my mind and I was just kind of like, like, just kind of like a hypothetical. And I'm like, what is wrong with me, man? <laughs> He's just going to average like six touchdowns a game for the rest of the season. What, what would a UCF, pl- what would any group of five player have to do to win the Heisman? Like it, can they? I actually don't know if they can. What was, so what was the highest that McKenzie got? Was, is it sixth? Sixth. Was it, I think I think a group of five player could be a finalist. I don't think they could win. That's a good point. Yeah, I think that year because he was sixth in twenty eighteen, right? Yeah, he was eighth in twenty seventeen. Yeah, sixth in twenty. So I think because in in twenty eighteen there were a couple games where I think like he wasn't at his best, like the the South Carolina State game where I think he threw like three picks in that game. Threw three picks. In the if he would have gone season. out and like scored like six touchdowns in that game, not turned the ball over, maybe only turned the ball over once, and then there were some other games where like he wasn't at his best. Like he didn't play against TCU, obviously. Yeah, the last few years. that one. His Heisman moment that season was there was a two game stretch with FAU and Pitt where he scored twelve touchdowns in two games. Yeah. <laughs> I was never yeah. get over that. I think for some reason, yeah, I think that. There, there were moments in that season where, like, if he would have done this or done that, I think he could have been a finalist that year. I don't remember yeah. the finalists. I honestly, were. if he hadn't gotten hurt and UCF was undefeated as they were, like, I think he totally could have been a finalist. Yeah. I really do. Because think, I mean, he lost all of the USF game and the conference championship game. If he even averages, like, three or four touchdowns in both those games, yeah. I think he could have been. Yeah, I don't remember who the finalists were or anything that year, but um, who would have won it that year? Was it Kyler Murray? See who they won it that year? 2018 probably 17 was baker so yeah 18 would have been murray yeah probably um yeah i don't know but it's it's probably a because yeah, when was the last i'm probably completely forgetting someone obvious but when was the last group of five guys was there has there been a group of five guys a finalist i have no idea maybe in like the 80s or 90s yeah, when like that wasn't really ago. like a distinction yeah but it's definitely not it's definitely not happened in the group of five era yeah so yeah i don't know i don't know what would have to happen but Unfortunately, I don't think Mikey Keene's going to be a finalist this year. Maybe next year. Oh, yeah, also, he'll, be a final, he'll be a finalist his final three years of uh, eligibility. I guess we're just – because we're the worst people in the world for thinking that he might be the starter next year. Um, yeah. Oh, what was that? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't even think – yeah, I don't know. Some people on Twitter didn't like that we uh, suggested that. But yeah, that's the, way, well. that's the way the cookie crumbles, guys. We've seen this story play out before. I'm not saying I'm rooting for it. but Yeah, I no, just, I don't think anyone's rooting – I mean, I don't know. Like, cause he, in a way, like you are rooting for it. Cause you want Mikey to do well, but. Well, I mean, it's just, if we don't root for that, what does that say about the season? Yeah. If, if, like, if like you it, rather... if next year, it's clear that Dylan Gabriel needs to come back and be the starter. That means that this was a bad year and I'm not yeah. rooting for this to be a bad year. Yeah. So that's just the way it goes. Just, a, just again, we talked about it last week. It's just a weird situation. If it works out that way, it works out that way. Like no one's, I don't think anyone's going to be overly. It was, it was it or... funny because I said the, on the last podcast, I said the Dylan Gabriel to Ole Miss thing is like an offhand comment that I barely remembered saying. And we both got like multiple tweets about that comments. And yeah. I just, I was like that. I did not mean that as like a big revel revelation type thing, but yeah, but we'll see. We'll I, t- see I talk guys. Out. I say things. Don't worry. It's probably wrong. Score predictions before we get too off track. Your score prediction. 35 to 10. 35 to 10. Yes. I've got 35-17 UCF. 
Wow, that's crazy. Now mine's way better. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't go that low. I don't know. I almost went 14. And then I was like, eh. I also almost went 31-17. But I was like, wait, UCF might not kick a field goal ever. Uh, yeah, um, at first I had 38 to 10. And I was like, that's <laughs> not going to happen. I just um, I always want to like in your in my brain for some reason I'm always like oh like no one ever just scores like only touchdowns people kick field goals all the time and they're like well UCF just doesn't so I guess just until we see them kick a field goal I think I'm just gonna have to start picking you know do you think they literally might numbers. just not this year <laughs> maybe not <laughs> if they did, I mean if they didn't against Bethune like there were multiple opportunities against Bethune where they opted to go for it on fourth. It's very, very possible they don't, and they just go into the offseason, and they're like, all right, we need a really, really good kicker. Like, we need a really maybe maybe Gus was just like, we're not – by the way, I meant yeah. to say this when we were talking about the defense and how we were surprised that hasn't been that good. One of the signs I feel like we missed was, like, the staff almost exclusively going after, like, high-rated defensive players on the recruiting trail. <laughs> I feel like that should have been a sign that yeah. maybe things weren't where they're supposed to be. Yeah, well, then what, then what can those, you do about it? Then there was all those reports that was like, oh, the defense is, like, way ahead of the offense. I know that that happens when new – It happens new every time there's a new staff, like, yeah. I was, and then, like, Gus was like, oh, like, our D-line's this, this, and this. And, like, okay, well, like, I think defense – Which the D-line has been good. Yeah. The D-line has been good. It's just the defense as yeah. a whole doesn't look much different than it did last year. Which um, is frustrating. But with that, we'll uh, we'll jump into the news real quick. Um, next week's ECU, a game against ECU. We have a kickoff time for it. It'll be 6 p.m. And it'll be televised on Christian's favorite, quote-unquote, channel, ESPN+. Plus. Thankfully, we'll be at the game. So there's uh, there's no having no needing to worry about ESPN+, Plus for ECU, at least on our front. Sorry if you have to deal with that next week. Yeah. I don't mean to be mean, but whoever created ESPN+, Plus, I hate them and want bad things for them in their personal life. Uh, wow. What a horrible, wow. horrible, what wow. a horrible service that's just ruining college football. So wow. you know what, you know what, guys, I like how like we so every we're going to streaming, right? That's the big thing now. It's like you know, TV's done, network TV, cable TV's done. It's streaming. That's great for Netflix because Netflix is a production that was recorded and has been done for like months. When you see it, streaming does not work for live events. It does not work. And ESPN, if you want people to stream, if you want that to be the future, that's where you want your business to go, then why don't you invest some freaking money in your crap product that is ESPN+. Plus? You can't just say streaming is the future and then not give a crap about streaming. You're, it's awful. Like, and, and we're just supposed to accept that. So now we live in a world where the, it's like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, streaming is the future. So now we have to stream games on ESPN+, Plus, which is terrible. Or Peacock, which, you know, Premier League soccer crashes every Saturday. Sports is not ready for streaming. Stop trying to push streaming down our throats. It's not ready. Make a product that doesn't suck, and then we'll be fine with streaming. This is the loudest. So anyway, you've gotten. this is the loudest you've gotten anyway, on the podcast in quite a while. So stupid. I'm so I'm I just was, I'm I, every you know. I was, I, I was making an offhanded remark about ESPN Plus. I did not expect this. Um, so maybe I should have. Stop! Um, stop trying to push streaming on us. It's not there yet. It's even your dog agrees. It's my ridiculous. dog does agree. Yeah. Um, so Gus Malzahn said we talked about this a little early, a little bit earlier that he's hopeful they'll have Matt Lee back this week for Navy. And then he kind of grouped in Isaiah Bowser in the week to week and wait and see group as Jason Beatty called it friend of the program, Jason Beatty um, basically said, so yeah, I and mean, I think there's a lot of guys in that group where we'll just kind of have to see on Saturday if they're going to play. Um, hopefully they get a lot of those guys back. Hopefully they get all those guys back. Um, the Jaguars signed Matthew Wright to their uh, practice squad. Jaguars? I said, well, I was going to say Jags and then I caught myself and I said the Jaguars. I said it really weird. Um, so the Jacksonville Jaguars signed Matthew Wright to their practice squad earlier this week. And then just before we recorded, actually, they promoted him to the active roster. So he'll be kicking for Jacksonville on Thursday night against the Bengals. I think they're, they said they're uh, starting kickers out for personal reasons. So 
good to see Matthew Wright getting another shot because I think he deserves it. I think he's proven pretty, pretty well that, you know, he did a good job when he was in Pittsburgh when he was called upon. So good for I think, him. I think uh, UCF fans appreciate him a lot more than they once did. Yeah. I don't think people really liked him when he was here. And then now every time he gets like released or whatever, it's just a big like uproar. Um, interesting how that works. Uh, this doesn't really apply to UCF anymore, which is kind of weird, but Colorado state and air force are expected to join the AAC and very soon. Hopefully I think it's a next week. Maybe is the, is the um, reports going around Brett McMurphy or they'll and, at least be invited next week. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. Um, so Colorado state and air force could be two of the replacements for, um, the departing schools, but it's just, so think it's about that weird. for someone like SMU or Memphis, not only is your conference getting knocked down a peg because some of the best programs are leaving, but now you have to play two service academies a year. <laughs> have fun have fun lads Um, i think those are both solid i think those are both solid additions yeah i mean i know you i didn't really know this because i why would i know this i don't i guess i don't pay attention as closely as you do but you kind of turned me on to colorado state um a little while ago about you know just they're kind of in a similar vein as ucf i think you said right where they're like they just have a lot going for them yeah they're i mean they're not there yet they're not there yet but i think that's i mean air force is the immediate grab and i think colorado state is more the like long-term play yeah. Uh, McMurphy reported that Boise State and San Diego State were invited, but both turned down the AAC. Boise State because they're under the impression of going to the Big 12 in a few years, which I think is probably true. San Diego State because they're in California and the AAC is not. <laughs> um, and we'll yeah. see. The AAC is obviously not stopping there. All signs point to UAB next, and then we'll see where they go As from there. I was going to put them at 11 teams. I meant so. to mention next UAB. UAB is one that I'm rooting for them to get um, get a shot. They're opening up a new a new stadium this weekend, aren't they? Um, yeah, you big bla- you big Blazer guy. I don't know. I just like their story. What, getting killed and then coming back and being better? Yeah, being better. And now they're opening up a new stadium, and it just seems like a big feel-good thing. Could get an invite to the AAC. I think they could be a good good program. Yeah, would be nice. We Um, need more Dragons in college football. (laughs) Eric Gilliard was named a semifinalist for the William V. Campbell Trophy, which is given to the college football player with the best combination of academics, community service, and on-field performance. So congratulations to Eric Gilliard. Really, really good stuff there. Always good to, awesome. you know, always good to have that kind of stuff with with academics and the off field stuff combined with the on field performance. Because good linebacker, good guy. Um, three notable things elsewhere, and basically this three notable things has just turned into updates on the other sports that are main sports that are going on right now. Uh, men's soccer they won four one against Temple on Friday, so they're now four and three overall and two and zero in the AAC. Nick hey, Taylor, ever since I called them out on the podcast, yeah. they're popping off. <laughs> yeah, I did I my part. You're just gonna have to start before the season next year. You're gonna have to say, I, know. I think I think they're gonna be horrible, and then they'll that was my bad for waiting three games. I'll do it yeah. in the off season next year. Um, they so Nick Taylor was named the AAC Offensive Player of the Week, and they're back at it. Uh, actually, as we're speaking right now, they're playing at South Florida. No, actually, not right now. In 30 minutes, they're starting a game at South Florida, uh, and then Sunday they return uh, to return home to play against Memphis. Um, on the flip side of things, women's soccer has kind of fallen off. They had a strong start unlike uh, men's soccer, but then they've also, unlike men's soccer, started on the uh, the downturn in terms of AAC play. They lost 2-1 to one against Memphis on Thursday, so they're now 5-4 and four overall and 0-2 oh and in the AAC. They'll return uh, hoping to get their first conference win on Thursday at SMU. And volleyball, they've been on a roll recently. They started conference play with uh, two sweeps, 3-0 against ECU on Friday and 3-0 against Cincinnati on Sunday. So they're now 9-5 and five overall, 2-0 and oh in the AAC. And Claudia Dillon, who was named the AAC Offense or Defensive Player of the Week last week, she was named the AAC Offensive Player of the Week this week. And um, two road games this weekend for volleyball at Wichita State on Friday and at Tulsa on Sunday, looking to keep that conference streak alive. And with that, 
no forgetting uniforms this time around. It's our uniform of the week. Still mad about that. Um, <laughs> we'll see if I can forgive you one day. You'll, you'll get uh, over it. With much time and patience. Um, yeah, uniform of the week this week. Couldn't pick football because they didn't play. Um, Bummer. So. You, sound, you sound devastated about that. <laughs> I didn't mean to sound that devastated. <laughs> no, I said on a previous podcast that if uh, men's soccer would just wear their pewter Pegasus kits, that they would win. And they did. And nice. it looked great as usual. So it's going to suck when they lose that when they go to Adidas. Um, do they usually <laughs> do they usually wear the white shorts with them? They've worn black shorts with them before. I think this I like was the, the first time we saw it with white shorts. I like the black shorts with them better. I do too, but okay. I still like that jersey. Yeah, so I, I mean that. Too. Yeah, it's, but it's I agree. Top. I felt the white shorts were misguided as well. But you know, it's um, hard to be perfect. But with that, because I mean, I had a little bit, a little bit of fortune there that football was off this week. So men's soccer gets their sixth win, and they now are the the leader in the clubhouse since we started this podcast. They're six time winners, and the gray Pegasus has won three times now. Football's winning next week, for the record. So just be ready for that. <laughs> so football, um, I'm, unless another team, one of the team, one of the three teams that's playing drops like a shocking uniform we have not seen before. So yeah, I mean, we'll just give you a spoiler ahead of time. Then most likely football will get their fourth win next week, um, and as many chances as they've had to get it. Congrats to UCF um, football. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe someone will just drop something out of nowhere, and it'll be uh, the biggest yeah, volleyball. Like the volleyball space uniforms will drop, <laughs> and it'll be you know a game. Changing. I think. Every, I think every every team should get a space uniform they i think so a... too should we pay for it yeah with all that money that we have all the money that we're raking in with this podcast yeah sure i think every ucf team should have 40 uniforms yeah no i they really should yeah. big 12 money big 12 money yeah big 12 uh, money that's all <laughs> uh let's just spend all of the big 12 money on uniforms Who needs I, listen 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 football campus 40 uniforms for every team i think those are i think there's a i'm not saying pick the uniforms i'm just saying there's a conversation to be had there all I'm, I'm sure i'm sure terry mahajer and his whole staff are having that conversation like every day i'll send him a handwritten letter about why i think uniforms should take priority over facilities just gonna it's gonna be the, it's gonna be that handwritten letter and then down the line you're gonna send the handwritten letter along with the trophy for the um which the i'm totally doing I, I i i think my parents because one well, my parents listen to the podcast i don't remember which one sorry mom or and or dad and asked me about that and they're like are you really gonna give them a trophy and i was like yeah like i'm not joking you can get a trophy made online and i'm gonna email it to them i'm kind of kind of shocked and appalled that both of your parents didn't listen to the podcast no they both did i just well my dad rarely listens to the podcast which is funny since we've had him on um <laughs> so it's probably my mom in hindsight okay but thanks mom yeah <laughs> all right well um we're, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here we've got um ucf navy coming up this saturday we will have a yeah, post game podcast episode 39 or there will be a post game podcast after that game yeah whenever will. christian returns to his place where he's staying uh we'll get on and we will We'll discuss what will hopefully be a UCF win. Until then, go ahead and uh, head on over to Night Sports Now. Read that Big 12 All Sports Guide. Would love if you did that. Uh, let me know what you thought. And until next time, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Read Bailey's article. Bye, everybody.